If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi, Bonnie Aaron's here. Well, it's our favorite time of the year, Halloween. I hope you're doing some great things. I'm sure you have a lot of things, fun things planned. Hopefully you're going to some haunts. Hopefully you're going to some mazes. Uh, maybe you're going to a cornfield. You know, I hope you're going to a lot of fun, fun parties and doing just a lot of fun things. And uh, remember, now I have something very, very important to tell you before I go. Please, whatever you do, don't go out there. Don't go out there. I'm looking forward to meeting you face to face. In a world where zombies, ghosts, serial killers, and vampires all exist, it's Nico, Brian, and Mike, and they are all that stand between you and the films that could end the world. Welcome to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. I just want to wish everybody a happy new year. Uh, appreciate everyone who's been listening and staying tuned with us, uh, going along this journey with us. And like we teased last week, we got um, a guest on with us. Uh, kind of weird how me and this guy met, but he's a really, really nice dude. And above all that, he's one of the most underrated superstar football players in Florida State history. Uh, my man, Rashad Green. Rashad, introduce yourself to all of our uh, listeners. Hey, everybody. I'm Rashad Green. How you say? Uh, Florida State player for four years. Um, I can agree that I was underrated. <laughs> but, <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. But um, I'm happy to be on the show. And let's get this thing started. What's uh what what really got you into horror movies, man? Um, when I was younger, uh, the first like horror film that I actually watched was was Child's Play. I, I was always scared scared uh. of shit as Chucky. Like I was little, <laughs> he was little. Like and it was just it was it was traumatizing for me. And I I mean now I tease my kids. My kids like to to watch it, and that's how um. Uh, uh, Nicole, that that's how you uh, figured out that I like it because I posted it on Snapchat that me and my boys was watching Chucky. So that's how I really got into horror films, just at a young age, and you know, being frightened. And then when you grow up, you understand stuff like that doesn't really exist, um, like killer dolls and stuff like that. So that's how I got into it. <laughs> 
Yeah, man. Uh, I You're saying Cujo isn't real? What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we we actually reviewed Child's Play, and I remember that movie. Yeah, Chucky terrified me too as a kid. Uh, and whenever and whenever I asked you, Rashad, to be on the show, you know, I asked you like what kind of genres, and you said you like the Conjuring uh, type movies. What what about the Conjuring's do you like? What makes them so unique and special? Um, is 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 just like that that supernatural feel and. Uh, like more so the the characters and and the things that's going on, it, it seems like it's very uh suspen- uh suspenseful and like I just it's it's interesting just how it like especially if it's done correctly how it gets mm-hmm. into the the mm-hmm. demonic presence and and just the the whole process of getting to the bottom line of what's going on all that stuff. If 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 it's done right, it's it's definitely entertaining. Uh, and it could be a, a a bit creepy, you know, coming home and and being in the dark, and you think about shit like that. It kind of like <laughs> folks with yeah, oh yeah, definitely. So we've all all the other hosts. We've already kind of introduced, you know, our thoughts to everyone, everyone who listens. So we're just gonna jump into scene by scene. Y'all ready? Okay. Let's do it. <clears throat> so the film starts with just uh, it comes in through the 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 window of the upstairs, and it has Lorraine Warren saying, "This one still haunts me." Then the screen says Amityville, 1976. The scene, the scene starts with a seance. Everyone's sitting around a table about to pray. And Lorraine, she she kind of goes out of body whenever this, this scene starts. She's walking through the hallway, and she sees everybody still sitting at the table. She goes upstairs, and she she is playing the part of uh, Ronnie DeFeo, shooting the kids, shooting the mother. And you see, I wrote down there's an awesome mirror reflection when she walks by the mirror. Yeah, you yeah. see her as yep. Ronnie DeFeo. Yep. And then, you know, she and then she sits down because she feels the fear of everything. And she sees, like, I wrote down, she sees this little ghost boy hiding behind a door. And she follows him down the stairs. And she sees him, and she follows him down into the basement. And this is where we're introduced to the nun. I won't say it's the nun's name yet. And and then after we Lorraine sees this nun, you see where this nun throws like all this this stack of like furniture and chairs up, and you see like the shot. It's a shadow of um, Ed Warren, and you see like his neck jerk back, and you see something come through him, but you don't see it all. It's, it's just teasing what's coming later on in this movie. And as she she comes back, she comes to at as the seance ends, she says she tells Ed, "This is the closest to hell that I ever want to get." And then it brings up, you know, the infield of the infield Amityville is what they call it. And they say it, was, it got most, the, a ton of attention. And the second scene is we're in infield England, 1977. We're just on a school campus and we're introduced to Janet. The uh, this, I'll say she's the final, I'm going to call her the final girl. She's the star of this movie. Right. Mm-hmm. And, she, right. and she, she and this other little girl, they're sitting on the, on the stairs outside. And she gets caught by a teacher for smoking, even though all she did was just hold the cigarette in her hand. And then she gets in trouble. And after school, all the kids start, all the siblings start walking home. And they all walk in and you hear the mom, you know, she's kind of, she's on the phone. She's kind of complaining about how they don't have money to pay for anything. And and I already start to like this family. And now it's nighttime and she's putting all the kids to sleep. And Janet, she's playing with this homemade Ouija board. And Margaret, her her older sister, joins in. And, you know, they start asking, are there any spirits that want to talk to him? And then Janet asks, is Dad ever going to come home? Uh, Rashad, what are your thoughts on those first two scenes, man? Um, 
It's just, uh, I mean, I'm not trying to uh, spoil it, but it, it, it gives you kind of like a, for me, it gives you an idea of what's to come. Like when you start off with the, the Amityville portion, you know it's going to be something similar coming up because they, you know, they describe their next case and, you know, the credit goes up about, you know, it's based on a true story and then they go into England and all that stuff. So it just gives, for me, it gives me an idea of what's expected to come. So it, it, it draws me in, you know, to want to continue to watch and, and, and get an idea of like a per, another person possibly could be doing the killing in of the presence of a demonic spirit. So for me, that, that it was a great way to draw in your audience. Good, Mike. Um, regardless of how I feel about the Amityville events, <laughs> James Wan does some of it. Well, hold on. James Wan does some of his best work in this opening scene. So the way it's shot, the way he moves the camera, the way they use the mirror reflection, I think is freaking brilliant. Yeah, I think awesome. it's awesome. Um, I I uh, love Vera Farmiga in this scene. She's mm -hmm. awesome. The kids do a great job. And again, I, <laughs> I, 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 I love – how do I put this? I love these two scenes. I am going to nitpick one thing. And it actually made me laugh, so it's okay. But we knew that this movie was going to London, but it spent about two and a half minutes with an opening London montage to let us know that we're going to London. <laughs> the right. music alone, the music the alone. The music was enough, right. right. The London calling was enough, but it spent about another minute and a half showing us uh, pictures and stuff around London. So that's a small nitpick, but I'm kind of like, okay, let's go. But again, like you said, Nico, I like this family. Um a little stereotypical because you know they're poor, but again, that's okay too because I think it helps. It helps you feel for this family. You don't want to see this really nice family go through what they're about to go through, and so it kind of puts you in their shoes if you can relate. And again, Vera and Patrick as a couple are awesome. Like they're they make the movie more grounded in realism for me. And again, we're about to see a bunch of crazy shit, so having a little bit of of realism definitely helps. Hey guys, how y'all doing? Hey, how you doing? Hey, we're Hey. hey. <laughs> nice to see you. <laughs> nice to see you too. Cut, cut this out, Drew. <laughs> hey, hey, no, you can leave it in. Cameo by Mama's staying in. Yeah, I was gonna say cameo by mom. Let's do it. Go ahead, Drew. Give us your thoughts. Uh, I, I, I'm along the lines with uh, with uh, what Mike said. Like you know, the camera work was insane. These first two scenes. Uh, what I wrote down was like intense, dramatic camera work sets up beautifully. Of what to expect for the rest of the movie, uh, you know that the, the uh, they they went the same route as they did in the first one. You know, you got that little that little snippet of what happened before, and then it's like, hey, this is just a little just to kind of set some things up, even though you know who maybe the Warrens is. And then you go into the main story, which is what they did again. But if you think about it, like they somebody that didn't see the first one rolled into this movie and it's set up to where they didn't have to see the first one to really Which I love by the way this. I love that and uh I mean the, the, those first two scenes like the camera work is insane and then yes they they killed it when they they picked the two people that you know do Ed and uh, Lorraine and you you couldn't get no better from them good Brian yeah so I, like I said, this will be the first time that I've watched this movie. So, and I've actually only watched it once, but um, 
you know, look, I, I really love how they, they handle Amityville here. You know, I mean, you know, going into this, everybody knows that that's their most famous case. They've done, you know, how many, two, three movies already on that. So it's almost like the, it's basically like Spider-Man getting bit by a spider, like Uncle Ben dying or Bruce Wayne's parents dying. Like, you don't need to really like how they show you it, they they give you that in like a quick little I don't want to say a montage but it's like a you know it's just a quick scene it's a great opening and it's a great way to handle it I think and, you know without actually taking and doing an entire another movie and another rehash on the same exact thing um, so and and the second scene I wrote down you know that they really did a good job to me of making it feel like the seventies I mean I know mm-hmm. that you know they took a long time doing that but the whole movie to me felt like it was set in the seventies and a lot of movies don't do that. Um, you know, and, and setting up that they're really in a dire financial situation, you know, like, like Mike said, but they, they really do a good job of making you feel that with, yes. with different things. And so, you know, I had uh, hats off to the writers on that. So after the kids go to sleep, uh, Janet, she's just laying in bed, she's tossing and turning, but she wakes up in the living room, which is a little bit weird. And then it, it cuts back into the room. There's a, a loud knock on the door. And Margaret gets up and opens the door, and she doesn't see nothing. But then all of a sudden, Janet just walks in. So it kind of, it's kind of the start of, like, some weird stuff happening with Janet. The next day, Peggy and her friend, they're doing laundry. You know, she's venting to her friend, you know, about how about how they're struggling financially. Then all of a sudden, you know, like, like in life, when something bad happens, something even worse happens. The washing machine kind of just, like, blows up all over then after, you know, shows Peggy screaming and, you know, complaining about the washing machine, it shows the Warrens, and I just wrote down the doctor, non-believer. They're on this TV show debating whether or not Amityville was true and all that. And, you know, the doctor, he's just calling out Ed on everything, saying, oh, you'll just believe anything. That's, you'll believe any house is haunted. And, at, and they're, now they're in the backstage. Ed almost goes off of the range. He calms him down. Now, back in England, Janet and Billy, they're playing with the uh, the Crooked Man music box. The music boxes are kind of a, 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 rep, a, a repetitive thing in these two movies. And, you know, Janet's really pa- proud of Billy because he has, like, a stuttering problem, but he sings the song all the way through. Now we get to another really, really creepy scene. Billy, he, he wakes up and he goes downstairs to get some water because... He ate some biscuits that his mom gave him, a.k.a. cookies. Cookies. Yeah. Who <laughs> said biscuits? And that, hey, wait and a minute. He, she said she couldn't afford biscuits. What the hell, man? She stopped hey. smoking. Yeah, she stopped smoking. That's right. That's, That's right. right. You weren't paying attention. That's right. You're right. I, I was, but I apologize. So I, nice I see. TV. Go ahead. Uh, they have a nice TV, though. Anyway. <laughs> Billy, as he's drinking this water at the kitchen sink, he sees the swing outside. It's swinging, but there's no one in it. And then it shows Janet, she's having like this nightmare, it seems. She sits up, and then she just yells out, this is my house. And and like, I wrote down, she's talking to herself in a really possessed voice. And now she's right beside Margaret's bed and says, stay away from Billy. And then all of a sudden, you hear the spirit talking back. And then Margaret, she turns the lamps on, and then Janet just lays back down. And then it shows Billy walking back up the stairs, and he kicks his fire truck. And, you know, when you're, it's late at night and dark, and you're like, man, the hell with this fire truck. So he throws it inside this tent he's got in the end of the hallway. And he goes to lay down a few different times, but he keeps looking at this tent over and over. He's kind of freaked out a little bit. But as he finally lays down, he looks up, and this fire truck rolls into his room, and it starts going off. And he's kind of scared, but he throws it back in there, and he goes to looking, and it screams at him. 
Then he runs to his mom in his mom's room saying, there's someone in my tent. There's someone in my tent. And of course, you know, when she looks into it, there's nothing in there. Right. Now we just, now she hears a noise downstairs and she sees Janet asleep in the chair. Janet is sick. And then, you know, she says, you can't go to school tomorrow, blah, blah, blah. And then as they go back up the stairs, she see the camera just shows this chair still rocking with nobody still sitting in it. And this is one of my favorite scenes personally in the movie. Janet's at home by herself watching TV and it's storming really, really hard outside. Then all of a sudden, all these channels start changing by themselves. And then, you know, she changes it back. Then all of a sudden, the remote just disappears. But then, then her mom calls her. She gets on the phone. She's talking to her mom. Then as she, she goes to the coffin, she looks around the corner and she sees this remote sitting in that chair. And, you know, she kind of goes silent on her mom real quick. And then she hangs up. And then she goes sits back now and watch TV. Then the, the TV goes out. She gets up to slap it. Then she sees, like, in the reflection, when the TV goes out, she sees a man sitting in a chair. And she and she sees the, um, and when she turns around after seeing that reflection, she hears the remote fall on the ground. And she's staring at this remote. Then all of a sudden, it cuts the look, the camera cuts to looking at her, and it's got this jump scare with the Bill Wilkins spirit. And it says, this is my house. And then, you know, Janet screams and falls back. Hey, uh, Brian, what are your thoughts on those two scenes, man? So, I mean, I know, I know being scared is kind of relative, you know, every person's got a different thing that scares them, this, that, and the other, um, like the first part. And I've told, I told you about in the last one, the first part, first hour of the last movie was very, like it really for real kind of bothered me. It's kind of scared me. I don't know what it was about this movie, but it never, it never got there for me. It never was scary. And I don't know if it was because of the newscasts like that you talked about so much that were kind of making it more than, than just a uh, private little haunting, you know, something that's really hurting these, these people, even though I will say that they do a great job of making these characters really relative, like it can really relate to them, relatable and, uh, you know, be empathetic towards, you know, their problems, like whether it's being poor and, you know, and everything else. It wasn't, I don't, don't know if it wasn't scary because of the news source, like I said, or if it was like, it was because they showed the source of these hauntings so quickly. Like you saw the nun, bam, right off the bat, and then you see the uh, the old man's, the old man's spirit. So it's, and I don't know if, if it was that, but that's kind of took me, I don't want to say out of it, but it made it to me not, not scary. Now I will say for the first hour of this movie, you know, it, James Wan did a good job of even though it was wasn't scary, he did a good job of building up, you know, the tension, you know, the 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 sense of dread that was hanging over everything that he that that he's so good at doing. But I was kind of like, man, you know, this is kind of the same formula, the same drope, you know, drops that he was using in the first one. The same, you know, I was kind of just like, yeah, okay, well, this isn't this isn't what what I thought. Now, obviously, you get hit with something a little bit later, but. You know, up to that point, I will say I was a little bit like, man, okay, this is, it's not bad. It's just another sequel to me so far. Go ahead, Drew. Uh, I'm just going to, well, with my notes, I was like, the swing set is a creepy, uneasy setting, letting oh, us know God, yes. it's about to go down. Like, you just see that little swing going back and forth and somebody seeing it. Like, if I see some stuff like that, yeah, I already know. And then when, when you hear that, this is my house, I immediately felt bad for Janet. I was like, because she is terrified and you know her sister's just thinking uh you know what the fuck is this 
And then, and then, like when when Billy's talking behind her, and then turns the light on, and then nothing is there per usual. It just like sent chills. Like you know, it's one of those chilling moments in it. Uh, as far as the 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 fire truck scene, I love that because as soon as it uh, pushed it back out, and then yells at the kid, and the kid's like just goes takes off running. Th- that would be me, even as a thirty six year old man. That would be me right there. <laughs> right. Right. And then uh, I really, really love the TV and the old man uh, Bill yeah. part where, you know, it's ch- changing the channels and all of a sudden you see it, you see him in the TV and then she turns to look at him and bam, the remote drops. I love that part. And I felt, you uh, know, it was a terrifying moment in the movie for me where I actually felt it, f- felt bad for Janet through and through right there. Good, Rashad. What's your thoughts, man? Um, First up, uh, uh, just the scene of, you know, like when when the kids came home and uh, and Billy was just so adamant about having biscuits and his mom, you know, said she didn't have the bloody money to buy the bloody biscuits. Um, and <laughs> and later, once he, you know, got a, a hang of, of doing the, the crooked song and he was rewarded for it and, and his mom pretty much said, you know, I needed to stop smoking. That to me just showed. Uh, the wow. sacrifice she had as a mother mm-hmm. um, for her kids and do what she needed to do for them. So it, it really made you feel for the family, like Definitely. about their situation with their father, you know, yeah, leaving yeah. with the woman down the street and, uh, and so forth. Um, so that was already for me. It, it it drew me into the into the family. So and once uh, Billy had too many biscuits in the scene where he was over the sink, um, getting some water and and the swing start going I immediately thought something was going to happen with him right then you know but it didn't and uh and I and I definitely felt bad for for Jen it just seemed like everything was so intense with her uh from you know her bed and then her sister finally got a dose of what she was actually going through and you could tell she started to fear as well because she didn't turn the light off when it was time to go back to sleep. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so, so that, that let me know, like, you know, they were really fearing for what was going on. And, and of course the, the fire truck was, was, was awesome to me just for him to, you know, really, he really didn't think much of it the first time. So he rolled it back in, you know, but me, like once the fire truck hit the door, that was it. <laughs> it's no pushing it. It's, it's no pushing it back into the tent. Not trying to figure out what's going on. So you know, and that show uh, uh, bravery for such a, a small kid to yep. go and try to figure out like what the hell is going on with my fire truck. Why is it rolling back? So you know, those scenes just kind of like it drew me in. Just of uh, the fear that was inside of those three kids already so and it, and it made me uh feel very very sympathetic for the family for the sacrifices that the mom was making right good mike so i agree with pretty much everyone i'm not trying to ride the i'm not trying to ride the fence here but i i agree with you 100 they this movie does a great job of making you feel for this family mm-hmm. i said it earlier you really don't want this bad these bad things to start happening to these people but you know it's coming and it kind of makes the movie more maybe not so scary or at least to me but it still pulls me and makes me want to see what happens makes me want to root for this family and hope they make it hope everything turns out okay um i'm not gonna lie though the older sister 
I know she's kind of a, she's older. She's a little bit of a teenager. It takes her a really long time to become a sympathetic character, though. She she seems very uninterested until, well, even with the light thing, she still seems very uninterested in the scene we're going to talk about later. I'm going to point it out. You'll see. I mean, are you, wait, hold on a second. My, are you an only child? No, I have a sister. Okay. I have an older sister, speaking of. Okay. Right. No, so, um, but no, oh, you're good. So going all the way back to the news scene that Brian mentioned, while not, while it kind of takes me out of that scary tension, that really happened through the warrants. Um, they were crucified for, for saying, you know, this stuff happened. They were judged very, you know, very harshly. And whether you believe them or not, I think that added some realism. So I enjoyed that. But as far as see, as far as what the first movie did, I don't think this movie did as good of a job as building up to a, a really big tense scene. There was just a lot of tension the whole time. So it's a little bit of a different feel, but it's still, it's different enough to where, to where I enjoyed it. I don't hate it, but it's not as like that first one. When you really start to see what's happening, I get chills and this one. It's a lot of, you know, we talked about it earlier. Boom, 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 boom. And that's okay. Nothing wrong with that. But as far as scenes I liked, I love the swing set. I love the remote. I love the old man. And here's one thing that I, I'm going to criticize later. I'm going to start now. This toy. This toy here in the tent. I, I'm i not a fan of, but I'll wait until a scene later to really hone that in. <laughs> So after this, I think y'all know what I'm talking about too. Right, right, yeah, yeah. Lorraine, she wakes up and she goes into the office and she sees Ed painting and she's like, "It's early. What are you painting?" And she sees. Then as we see it, it's that same nun that she saw at the beginning. So she goes into the kitchen. She pours herself some tea. And I wrote down. I'm sure all of y'all know this now, but after I first saw this movie, I had no idea that they put so many hidden messages of the name Valley throughout this movie. There's two hidden. There's there's two hidden valley messages right there beside them. And she says, she says, she tells Ed that they need to stop and only do lectures for now because she saw a premonition of Ed's death. Now it cuts for it cuts back to Janet. She's using these jump ropes to tie herself to the bed to prevent herself from sleepwalking. But she wakes up and she's on the floor and she hears this loud knock on the door. She starts to wander through the house and she goes downstairs. She sees this chair starting to rock by itself. And she runs back to bed and hides under the covers. A chair is now being pushed by her bed, and the door opens, and you hear, like, these footsteps coming towards their, their room. And I wrote down just the words there. I feel like there's a lot of great tension right here. There is. Yep. Then it shows her covers are ripped off, and then all of a sudden, you know, Margaret's like, what's going on? Then their beds start to shake, and they start screaming, and the mom runs in, and she doesn't believe Janet. But then Janet shows her this bite mark on her, like, collarbone area. And she looks underneath Janet's bed and she sees that, that homemade Ouija board. And like she's yelling at the girl, thinking, so this is what you're doing, drawing all these spirits in the house. But then all of a sudden, the mom, she sees this dresser just get slid right into the door and it shuts the door with no one doing it. So it's obviously a spirit or something. Then all, it just cut, it cuts and it shows the family, you know, panicking, running out of the house. They run to their neighbors. And then it shows the police investigating the house. They hear, like, these noises, like, either upstairs or in the walls. Then the female cop, she's like, bring a chair. So she starts looking. And as she gets off of it, you see this chair just, like, move by itself back into the kitchen. And then they go outside, and the cops are like, hey, 
uh, we can't really help you, but uh, and you know the mom's kind the mom's kind of mad about it. But see, the the female cop pulls her side, like, hey, this is beyond what we can handle. We got to get a priest involved or something. And then this is what this I wrote down before I, I got to my scene right here. I just wrote to me this is the best scare scene. I wrote two more hidden valid gems. Lorraine and Judy, they're sitting in there, you know, they're Judy or Judy's like making bracelets with like letters and stuff on it. Lorraine, she's reading her Bible. And then we're the camera's focused right on Judy. And in the background, you see someone walk like by like by their hall in their hallway. And the, and like it's like those doors, like I don't know how to describe them, but it's like panels or whatever. You can see someone walk by them. And then as Lorraine comes to, she sees that Judy's gone. So she goes in the hallway. She's like, what's going on, Judy? And you just see J Judy pointing right down the hall. And then she's got this panic look on her face. And then Lorraine sees the nun standing at the very end. And to me, guys, this scene, I just, I truly love this scene. Because I think the, the, the setting of the hallway, I don't know, it's just the wallpaper, the way the nun walks away. I really love that shot. And Lorraine, she follows, of course, Lorraine follows the nun into that studio. And you, you see, for some reason, Ed hung the painting up on the wall. Right. <laughs> I mean, if I painted that, I would hang it up, too. Right. I said, I was like, eh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. That's going yeah. underneath my bed in the closet or something. I'm not hanging this thing up on my wall. Yeah, but that's but, pretty. Oh, it's pretty elite painting. It's pretty elite. Right. Like, that's, say, that's a pretty cool painting. <laughs> pretty cool painting. Yeah. All of a sudden, this record player starts, it cuts on. And then, you know, Lorraine turns around. Then this lamp goes off. And, you know, she goes to leave, but the door slams. Then all of a sudden, you see, like, this shadow going along the wall. And it's walking around the whole office. Then all of a sudden, you know, that shadow gets right behind the painting. And as it gets behind the painting, you see the, like, I think it's the right hand that comes out. The fingers come out on the painting. Then the left hand comes out. Then all of a sudden, this this painting runs at Lorraine. And it knocks her into, what is it, the, the basement, I guess? And it, it yeah. cuts back to that scene from the beginning, really. And Lorraine, she yells, who are you and what do you want? Then the nun points to Ed, you know, like in the beginning in that corner. And it shows Ed, his head snapping back and like that giant spear of wood going right through his chest. And then as this scene cuts out, it, show, it like flashes to Lorraine. You know, she she's obviously like in her trance or whatever. And you see her like taking this pen and like stabbing it and writing into her Bible. Then as that ends, she just wakes up and gives Judy a big hug and embraces her. Mike, what are your thoughts on those two scenes, man? Okay, so these are some of my favorite scenes in this movie. I think that um, the the scary level, if I had a scary meter, I guess, this kind of picks it back up a little bit as far as just... It, I really like what they do making um, Lorraine Warren question her faith a little bit here. Because I think she's seeing this demon nun for a reason. And as you can see, she has a Bible. She's religious. She lives by this. That's why she's a, a spirit hunter in the first place. And her conjuring, her spirit that she conjures is this nun. It's a Catholic, you know, a Catholic ideology. And so I think they do a really good job of making that real, making that scary. And by the way, I love the way the Bible ties back in later. Spoiler, but I love how they make that Bible mean something down the road. Really cool. And by the way, I didn't notice until probably like my second or third watch that there's a Valak spelling on the on the book 
are on the bookshelf. It took me a while to see that. I hope I'm not spoiling it for anybody else, but it took me a little bit. Well, I wasn't really paying attention, man. But <laughs> but uh, no, I like these scenes, and I think that the the fake death of of uh, of Ed is kind of cool. It's a cool death for a uh, slasher guy like myself. I want. I've been begging to see a cool death, and this was you know as close as I'm going to get in this movie. <laughs> Go ahead, Rashad. What are your thoughts, man? Uh, uh I can agree with with, with Mike as uh, far as uh far as this scene being one of the the more scarier scenes for me because it was the whole office scene. Yeah, I mean, you see this shadow just yep. uh going through the wall, and 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 it's like you're you're on edge to see like like what the hell is gonna happen now, and when you see the fingers, that kind of like in the eyes and, and just the whole character of the nun is just to me in my opinion that's just a, a scary scary character if you saw some shit like that if you cut on the lights it'll freak every one of us out i'm sure right so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think i think they did a great job with with, with that character uh, and that scene was just uh it was intense um and i think that was the uh one of the most intense scenes for me out of the entire movie um and just it took me a couple times as well to uh to pick up on the the valet uh, at breakfast it was one that was the v was used with the love sign and then the rest right. of the letters were below and then it was another scene with the bracelets the bracelets spelled valet as well mm-hmm. so so now that i look back on it, it, it all the signs was there of the name of this demonic present but you know you you definitely wouldn't know that, you know, watching it firsthand. So, right. and so that was that was um that was good for me. And 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 another scene that kind of like solidified the um pretty much how freaked out this whole entire family was <laughs> was the scene when the mom when the mom she finally it was yeah. like she finally got uh you know had a reason to. Call her kids out on that shit. It's like y- mm-hmm. y'all been playing. Yeah, with her, that uh, first hand. Yeah, right. Like a, a week, a week boy, and and she tears it apart. And as soon as she tears it apart, the fucking dresser hit, uh, slams the door. So <laughs> that like intensifies for everybody right then and there. And then the next thing you see them hauling ass across the street. So it just lets you know, like it, at that point, it's really serious, and it can't be denied. So it, like Janet is no longer in this thing by herself or with, you know, with, with Margaret and, and Billy it's everyone now. So that, that tied the whole family into what was going on. And, and I just think that was perfect. How, how they put that in there, um, in the movie. Go ahead, Brian. Yeah. So, I mean, this is, this movie is almost a little meta, you know, in a way, because it's, you know, they, it, it, it did what I even talked a little bit about in the first one about how they take these conventional horror tropes and you're like, OK, this is what's about to happen. And it's like, boom, like, mm-hmm. you know, with the Ouija board, you think, you know, how many movies and how many times have you seen? Oh, well, oh, well, we I didn't see it, so I don't believe you. And then it goes to the next scene. This has been like, well, oh, I didn't see it. I don't believe you. Ouija board torn up. You think that's going to be the end of it. And then, bam, you know, the dresser. And then shit, you know, the police come. You definitely don't expect it to happen with the police. Right. And then shit, here we right. go. So, right. you know, it. I really like how the writers and James Wan, I guess, I don't know really who to give all the credit to on that, but they they do a really good job with that. Um, the, the cinematography, obviously, with the the painting and the nun, you know, the shadow walking up to the painting, that that to me stood out, probably if anything, in the first part of this movie. Um, 
it, it was really amazing. But and I will say, I will say the movie may not be scary to me. It's not, but it's it's better to me than the first one is. And this entire movie isn't to me about the the, the demons. It's not about being scared. It's not about the 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 uh, the ghosts. The whole thing to me is grounded in yes. Ed and Lorraine's relationship. Like, oh, I agree, man. It's a relationship story almost. I mean, those two, they're acting. You know, they most of the times you don't want relationships in horror movies. Most of the times they're just like, oh shit, get rid of that. Let's see the killing. To me, right. like it was almost the opposite. It was almost like. And especially the first part of this movie before the twist, I was just like, man, you know, big deal about the whole horror thing. That is what kept me in this movie. And that's what grounded me was their relationship. It was, you know, grounded. It was not run of the mill horror movie because of their relationship. Go ahead, Drew. Now, the touch on the, the Valak line with Mike, I was one of those nerds that when after I watched the movie, I was just like, I wonder if there's anything to this. So I did some research before, so I kind of knew a little bit about okay. the demons. Oh, so that's how you get that's I how you get demons in your house. That right there. That's how you get demons in your house. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm that a preacher. I want you to know. I welcome him in. I'm a preacher's kid. I, I, <laughs> I you know, the book of the Bible. You know, you hear all the demons and stuff. So like, I was interested in it. So like, Valak is described as an angelic winged boy riding a two-headed dragon. With the power of finding treasures. Not exactly a demonic nun, but you have to admire the dedication to picking a real beast of demonic lore. So they actually picked a name of an actual demon that had been written before. But they say, while Valak is not its typical angel-winged form, it is also described as taking a blasphemous blasphemous form to challenge Lorianne's faith. So... Hence the nun part, you know. Right, exactly. That, out of anything, that it just went right there for it. Right. So that's that's all I have to say on that one. And hey, Nico, really quick, I forgot two things I have written down here. One, the and Rashad touched on it, and I forgot the mom, her realizing, oh shit, they're not messing around. Like this is not kids playing kiki haha. This is for real. Uh, that's a great scene. Like that's probably one of my favorite. And I'm not a big look. It's super horror movie trope to have something move without being touched. Like okay, that's possession movie 101. Nothing wrong with that. But the but the way it's acted, the way it's shot, and the the real you're 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 realizing. Okay, so you're seeing the mom realize her kids are in deep shit now. That I can feel. That I can relate to. I can appreciate that. Also, real quick. Um, I never, I always kind of wondered why it took so long for a demon to want to haunt the Warrens in the first damn place. <laughs> <laughs> they deal with them all the time. And finally, this nun lady d- d- decides, Hey, I've had enough of you, bitch. Uh, don't act like, you know, their life, man. They, they could have been like, you know, I'm talking about on screen. I'm talking about on screen. <laughs> I'm just messing around. Still really good. And by the way, you mentioned Valak, Valak and it's, in it's, and it's okay, so I'm gonna sneak a fun fact in here early. Valak was actually wrote as what you see in the end of the movie. Spoiler: the the two horned, the devil looking creature that was all in the original script. They reshot a lot of those scenes with the nun looking thing, or or put the nun, you know, the nun looking demon back into the movie later on because they made a creative change. And I think it worked. Hell, they made a whole damn movie about her, so it couldn't have been that bad. Yeah. 
the next yeah. scene, there's go, go ahead, Rashad. I'm it, sorry. No, nah, no, nah, I was just saying, and I think with the whole Valak thing, it was pretty cool, like how when she was in the basement and she asked her, like, who are you? And immediately they snapped back into the scene of her like tearing up the fucking Bible. So pretty much right. that gave you the answer. So yeah. you knew at some point, like that Bible was gonna come back into play somehow because as soon as she asked, it went to that scene and she's tearing it apart with the pencil. So you know something was significant happened right there. That's a good point, man. I honestly yeah. didn't what, like like me and Drew went and saw this in theaters and yes we did you know at, you know when you're in the theaters you can't really pick up on all the small stuff so I I never even paid attention to that but the next scene uh the mom Peggy she's walking home with groceries I believe and this guy from the news he jumps out of his van and stops her and she's asked he asks hey can we can we tell your story on the news and you know Peggy at first she's not on board because she thinks they're just being exploited but he's like listen if we can get you some attention on this story. We we can get you some, you know, we can get your story out there. We can get you some help. So that, you know, after that, they just show like different people's, you know, experience with the family and the home. They're showing like pictures and all these people's experiences. And then it shows Janet and Margaret on this couch being interviewed by Maurice Gross and the people from the news. The the anchor of this of this, he asked for the spirit to speak. Then, you know, the camera cuts out and we see Janet. And Janet, you know, she's kind of like twitching. She starts to scratch her neck a little bit. And then, then the mom says, Janet, are you okay? And then Janet starts making these growling noises. And then, you know, the lights that they're using for the show, they're flashing. The Everything starts to shake. And then, like, you hear Janet speaking in this really possessed voice. This is my house. Get out now. And then, you know, it, shows, it says, you know, Bill Wilkins. It says, my name is Bill Wilkins. I'm 72 years old. Then they do a little research on it, and they find out that he died in that he died in that chair in the corner, and then you know she snaps out of it and she just runs away. Let me flip my page and I'll read the next scene. The family is staying at the neighbors now, and it cuts to the crooked man. It, you know that music box at the tent at the house, and then all of a sudden it just cuts on, and then we go back to the house where all the the family's at, and this bell starts to ring, and that bell is significant because. You know, that's the family they're staying with. That's what the, the dog does. It rings that bell whenever it has to use a bathroom. So Billy gets up to let this dog out. And as he opens the door, the dog that's standing there stands up and it's the crooked man. It trips Billy and they start chasing him through the house. And then when Billy gets back into the living room, you know, that you just hear, you can hear, you, the, you can hear the crooked man saying his speech. And, it, and as then when you finally see the crooked man, it's Janet. And you know Janet, she takes she she uses her power to throw the fireplace guard at the she throws it at the neighbor, and it, it gets really creepy. And then all of a sudden, Janet she just passes out on the ground and she starts having a seizure. Brian, what are your thoughts on those scenes, man? Man, man, I will I will say this is the one one scene of the whole movie that I didn't like. Right. I don't <laughs> I don't I don't like the crooked man part of it. I think that if you thank were, you. If you'd have taken him out of it, okay, and had the cre- the creepy crooked man little song thing going, but you couldn't see what was causing the problems, that would have that would have kept me in it. But man, the it, the it was the CG or whatever it was, uh, just so bad. I was like, oh man, that it took me out of it. Now it, it pulled me right back in because that Janet possession scene, the next one, I really liked. Um, it, it was it was really well done. But uh, you know, I, I gotta I gotta shit on it a little bit. That's that's my problem scene of this whole movie. Go ahead, Mike. 
I am going to absolutely shit on this crooked man. No, <laughs> this is hokey as hell. And as as great as these two country movies are at grounding themselves in realism and stuff I can believe in, even if I didn't believe in what was happening, this takes me out of it. Now, again, like Brian said, they pulled me back in. But that scene, I am just that is something out of A Nightmare on Elm Street Part Six, man. Like it is <laughs> yeah. not great. It, it 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 really is hokey, but. That's a nitpick. If we're, you know, overall, one bad scene doesn't kill a whole damn movie. Right. Um, the Janet possession scene is great. It's awesome. The look, man, the actress who played Janet, she's phenomenal here. Right. Being possessed, like, it's fantastic. I wanted to kind of knock the older sister a little bit as a character because throughout this whole confession or, you know, this possession scene, she is just chilling. There's no <laughs> fear. There's no hope my sister's okay. She's just like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Man, go back and pause. <laughs> There's a perfect moment where she's almost rolling her eyes at her sister who's possessed. Literally <laughs> speaking almost in tongues. Like it is crazy. But no, I, I I love the I love the possession scene. Shit all over the crook, the damn crooked man. Song is creepy. Like Brian said, song is creepy. I enjoy that song if used correctly. But that's what I was talking about earlier with the toy. I once I found out what that toy was for, man, shit on that. That's terrible. Go ahead, Drew. I see you shaking your head. My lord, do y'all not know where this was filmed at? Where this happened? You, Does, you I where understand where this, that. Where did it happen? Where did it I, happen? Underst- I understand that. Do you, but it's do still you know hokey. where the, uh, the crooked man actually originated from? That doesn't make it good. I don't. I don't <laughs> really. Do you care. know where it originated from? Where? Like, See, like, if you would understand, if you went back and, and I actually did this after I, wa- I watched it like three times this week and, and did a lot of research. Like, I understood, I think when I watched it that. the first time when we, me and Nico went and watched it, like, I didn't really understand it then. Like, okay, maybe they were setting it up for like a, a, a future a future movie later on down, which in fact they are. Uh, but then after watching it again this week and before, I was just like, you know what, let me check it out. So like I looked it up and like the crooked man is like this like old school like 1780 to 1800 like poem that the uh, Scottish and English used to sing. So I understood it a little bit more why they in- inserted it there. Like could they done without it? Yeah, they could have. But I believe it was more tied into like what that family was going through at the time. So like had it not been a part of their story, it wouldn't have been put into the movie. But I am gonna agree with I don't agree with Brian. Because I put this down right here. I said crooked man scene CGI was oh, it's awful. garbage. Oh, it's so bad. I said it was oh, garbage, man. but it still didn't take away from the intensity of the scene, which was really high. That's all I'll say. Go ahead, Mike, for Rashad goes. Quick counterpoint. I shouldn't have to do hours of research to find out why this crooked man is important. He sucks. No, Go no, ahead, I Rashad. Hours. I mean, it was like literally. You know what? I shouldn't have to research it in the first place. <laughs> Says the guy that he has a problem with the Amityville Horror Story. I do. Well, it's very. I'm very skeptical. Anyway, go ahead, Rashad. You're being rude to our guest. Uh, but hence <laughs> the two ones drinking here. In case you can't tell. Yeah, but the um, the first scene um, that I'll touch on is pretty much the the couch scene and uh and it just makes me think about you know in other movies when it's always something about possession and all that stuff and they ask him you know trying to communicate it always 
immediately happens. Like they ask, okay, if you if your your presence here, blah blah blah, something moves or something like that. What was cool about that scene was it kind of took some time. So it, it was more so like, you know, this presence was like, you know, I'm not on y'all fucking time. I'm going to let y'all know I'm here, <laughs> but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do it the way mm-hmm. I want to do it. Which, oh, which, it's a which, badass which, demon. Badass right, demon. Wh- which was pretty cool. Right. And, of course, the badass demon is, is using Bill Wilkins as a, as a, a front runner. Uh, but um, I, I definitely enjoyed that scene because I, I just felt like it, it was different. And anything that in my eyes is different and, yep. and not your typical, it always draws me into it. Now, the the crooked, the old crooked man scene, I, I, I just have to agree with, with you guys as well. I didn't, I didn't understand it. Uh, and the fact that this story is based on true events, when the fucking Rockwaller turned into the Crooked Man, it kind of like, <laughs> yeah, like what, <laughs> what, what the, the hell whole is thing this? Is terrible, right? So it's bad, man. Uh, yeah. It's just bad. It's yeah. Okay. So it's, so that that was already like okay, like now you making this shit is in, in too much of a movie instead right. of like keep it intense and keep right. it based off of what really happened the best way you can. So I disagree with that scene, but like you guys said, it it. it they quickly brought me back with Janice uh, foaming out yep. the mouth and, you know, throwing the furniture and stuff like that. So it it made me aware of what was really going on. So I forgot about it quickly. Right, right, right. I agree with you, Rashad. And I just want to, I don't, I mean, we're going to spoil the movie anyway, so I'm just going to go ahead and say <laughs> it. Um, the Crooked Man, it does look awful. It's corny. I, I told y'all in the group text that I really didn't have any nitpicks except one. Well, I guess I have two because Crooked Man doesn't, it, it doesn't look great, but it, it just really justifies what Lorraine says on the train about, you know, everything trying to distract from what's mm-hmm. actually true. going on. Right, but that's I'll, true. I, but I will agree that the Crooked Man, it, it looks stupid. Because it looks just like, to me, it just kind of looks like a Ninja Turtle in the face. With oh, the, God, it looks <laughs> terrible. It's long and lanky body kind of right. reminds me of the Babadook. And yeah. Oh. I like the Babadook a lot better, but you like the the, the, the way it's kind of shaped and formed kind of looks like the Babadook. Which is a much better film than the way than, it just like Crooked Man just definitely. stands out so different than the background is what took me away from it. Because instead of me enjoying that one little part where like, oh, here's this, it's like, oh my god, who right. they hired to do their CGI? You know what it looks like? <laughs> hey, have you ever seen Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Yes. It looks like Looney Tune Bugs Bunny standing next to a real person. It, it, it's just not great, man. <laughs> Sorry. And the next scene, it's a. This is this is a scene that kicks the trailer off. It's it shows Ed and Lorraine and Father Gordon. They're sitting around this table, and Father Gordon presses play on this tape, and you know it's playing that interview that they did with Janet. And then at the end of it, Father Gordon says, "What do you think about that voice?" And Ed says, "Well, he sounds confused." Then Father Gordon says, "Well, that voice you heard is coming from an eleven-year-old girl." And you know, Ed and Lorraine, they kind of get that oh crap look on their face. But he tell, but the father tells them that they're really hesitant on this because they don't want to bring any bad publicity to the church after everything that happened with Amityville. So all he wants them to do is just go to London for three days and just check everything out. And Lorraine doesn't want to do this, but Ed's like, you know, we need to go do this just to check it out. We don't have to stay or nothing. And then this is where Lorraine reveals that she had a premonition of Ed's death. And, and then Ed, you know, like like the strong man he is, he says, hey, we don't run from fights. 
So then it just shows Maurice greeting Maurice Gross. He's greeting Ed and Lorraine. And then Peggy starts showing him around the house. Ed sees Janet's room. It's all trashed. And you, he's got all these crosses that all the neighbors have been giving him. That All these crosses along the room. And, you know, Peggy says it doesn't really help. You still hear all the trashing and the all the commotion on at nighttime. And this is this is a scene that I really like between Lorraine and Janet. Lorraine is talking to Janet on this swing. And you can really see how broken that Janet feels right now. She she tells Lorraine that I don't get to sleep and no one believes her. Then Lorraine tells her, you know, I know exactly how you feel. And then this is a really sweet scene to me. She says, I finally found someone who believed in me. And then and then Janice says, Well, what'd you do? She's like, Oh, I married him. You know, you kind of get that little oh, that little awe feeling yeah. on the inside. Of course. <laughs> and then oh, Lorraine asked, and Lorraine asked Janet. So what does it feel like when this voice tries to talk? Is it in you or whatever? And then Janet says, no, it feels like it's right behind me. And then then she reveals to Jan- uh, to Lorraine that this voice, the, the spirit, it wants to hurt you. And it just told her that. After this, Ed and Lorraine, they have Janet sit in this chair. And they, put, and they have to do this thing where they put water in her mouth so they know that it's not Janet faking the voice. The mom, she's real hesitant about it. She's not on board. But, you know, and then Janet puts, she puts the water in her mouth, but they're all staring at her. And then she spits it back out. And she says, I won't talk. I won't. I can't speak with, with y'all looking. So they all turn around. She puts the water back in her mouth. And then Ed asks her, why won't you leave this family alone? Then the voice of Bill Wilkins takes over Janet. He says, this is my house. And then, then he says that I am not a heaven man. Then Ed points the cross at him, and you get this really weird, distorted message where he's just saying, don't move. You know, he just, he says kind of half of what he's really saying, and this will all connect later. And then, you know, the they all turn around after this goes on, and then you just see Janet spitting the water out. Rashad, you want to go first on your, your thoughts on this? Um, Yeah, uh, pretty much the, the, the scene with... Uh, where Ed and, and, and Lorraine uh, was was very uh, like it made you like just show how like strong their relationship was, and I know you guys talked about it on, earlier that you know his wife is terrified uh, for the you know for her husband's uh, safety pretty much, and 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 you know he lets her know like he stands up to the plate and you know he he's the man of the house, he's the husband, and shows his strength. And tell her like you know absolutely not we don't run from fights and you can see it in his in his face when she was saying y'all we'll go but we don't want to take it and stuff like that. you could tell that he really wasn't agreeing with her but he just wanted to pretty much get her there and you know and just be the man and and, and lead so I think that was a very strong scene um, that uh, was part of the movie and and like you say and. Uh, Another touching scene that I thought was very great was the the, the swing um, the swing scene with uh, with the, the two women. Um, yep. Yeah. So it was just uh, Lorraine. She did a great job at at, at comforting you know uh, Janet as much as she could. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, when somebody's going through something horrific as she was going through, it's hard to like just you know just pretty much uh, you know tell him it's going to be okay, but she, you know, she made her feel very uh, comforting in what she was saying and stuff like that, so, I, you know, I thought that was very touching, and it, it, it kind of, like, just made me continuously, you know, feel, like, for Janet, and, and also uh, 
just it, it was it was kind of, it was it was kind of it was touching, but at the same time, right. you know, I knew something was you know was gonna happen, uh, you know, alpha, and then the whole water scene it just goes back to the, the sport alert as Valak imposing, you know, so uh, Lorraine wouldn't know that it was a demonic present was it was kind of genius for on Valak's part, mm-hmm. you know, to use. Bill Wilkinson, knowing that he died there and she wouldn't be able to sense of actually what was going on. And pretty much it's just like, you guys can get the hell out of here and I can finish doing what I got to do with with <laughs> Janet. Pretty much like possessing her, you know, to eventually take on everybody else. Go ahead, Brian. Uh, yeah, I, I just got written down, obviously, that's some great character moments, you know, with uh, with Lorraine and Janet and then with the Ed and the mom there. Um, I laughed a couple of times, especially when he was like, oh, is there any chance of reconciliation? You know, no, he had twins with the girl down the street. Oh, I mean, it's just that made me laugh. So, but, and, and I gotta give, man, I gotta give Patrick Wilson, dude, those acting chops because that whole damn possession scene, man, you can't see it. It's just him. And so you're focused on Patrick Wilson. It's acting to this the entire time. And it does, man. It's amazing, dude. I can't, I can't say enough about his acting chops in the scene. That, that's what, that's what I got to say about that. Go ahead, Drew. Uh, my, my notes I put on this one. I hear the water in the mouth. The here I come from, from Bill, is fucking creepy as shit. Oh, yes, it is. <laughs> and I will, I'll say this. I was like the sentence, uh, how they decided to shoot this scene, doesn't seem like it's a really big deal. I was like. You know, blurring out Janet, then going dark while Ed talks to Bill. It might seem like a small detail, but it plays up in a huge way throughout the whole scene, which makes right. the, what to me, makes the scene, the way they right. shot the scene, right. makes the scene. Absolutely. Go ahead, Mike. I, I pretty much agree with everything all three of you said. Honestly, I, just, I, I love Vera in the scene with Janet. I think she's great. You can tell she's timid. She doesn't really want to be doing this. She's going through some stuff of her own, but she sees a child in desperate need of help, and she's doing her absolute best to make it better. And so I think that's a really touching scene. I think Patrick Wilson is great in the possession, like talking to Valak or the demon, or, you know, we we don't know it's Valak yet, but talking to Valak. Um, and he's awesome. It's like the whole, it's just him. It's like it was mentioned. It's just him by himself, basically for about a minute or so. And when that, when you can pull that off and still deliver tension and make it see, it's just a voice coming from a, who, who knows where off screen, as far as we know. And it's really well shot. Like Drew said, I love the direction that they went with that. Also, Nico mentioned something way, way, way on. I just want to give them props. The marketing and trailer and all that for this movie was much better than the first. The first gave a lot away. This one did not. It did a really good job of keeping its big reveals and and chills and stuff like that for the actual movie instead of giving it all away. So I want to give them props on that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I want to tell you something Brian said real quick. While in between cuts between uh, Lorraine and Janet – Brian's right. Uh, Ed is in the house talking, just talking to the mom, Peggy, about, you know, how the, the father left and that 
she took all he took all the bloody Elvis records, which will come into play in the next couple of scenes. Yeah. Ed, Ed and Lorraine go to lay down in, in bed, and Ed asks Lorraine, are you feeling any spirits in this house? And she says, no, all I feel is their fear. And they're sleeping in two little small separate beds, and Ed's just like, I don't think I can sleep uh, in a separate bed for me. It don't feel right. And then, you know, Vera, you, you know, it's just another couple scene. You know, Vera's like, it'll give you something to look forward to when we get home, huh? <laughs> then, you know, then it shows Janet she's sleeping in her mom's bed and she's using those same jump ropes to tie herself you know her mom she's like I really wish she wouldn't do that but she, you know, she's like I, I just feel I, it, it makes me feel better that I won't sleepwalk then she tells her mom you know I didn't smoke I promise you I just I just wanted to look cool I just got caught then all of a sudden you start hearing this whistling noise in the house and Janet wakes up and she's on the ceiling She's in this. She's on the ceiling where you can see Bill sitting in that chair on the on downstairs. Bill gets up and he starts walking upstairs, and then all of a sudden you see Janet snatched through the ceiling into that room that was. They they locked up Janet's room. They they tied a chain and a lock around it, but now she just got pulled into it, and you know she starts to get tears in her eyes, and you you kind of see the room starting to shake a little bit, and you see this one cross start to twitch, then it turns upside down. Then all of a sudden, all of the crosses in the room start turning upside down. Then Janet kind of looks, and there's this dark shadow in the corner. And then the spirit of Bill Wilkins runs at her, and you just hear all the commotion in the house. Peggy and Lorraine, they all get up. They're like, what's going on? What's going on? Peggy, she sees she sees Janet, but she can't get the door open. And then you know, Peggy sees she sees Janet get snatched back when she sees Bill Wilkins' face, and she starts screaming. They finally get the door open. And they get this curtain from around because the, the curtain was wrapped around her neck and head, you know, suffocating her. And then as they walk out, the rain, she sees that cross twitching just a little bit one more time. The next scene, we're at a restaurant. And this guy, he confirms that the bite mark on her was Bill Wilkins. And they confirm that Bill Wilkins had died in that house. Maurice, I wrote down, Maurice is convinced but there's this lady named Anita who's a skeptic. She doesn't believe anything. Then Ed tells him that the church can't do anything without any proof. Then I just wrote right here with uh, little stars beside it. This is my favorite non-scary scene. Ed, he brings the girls home when he's, he's got some records, some Elvis records, and they go to play him on the record player. But, of course, it doesn't work now. But he, he, he finds that Margaret has a guitar that her dad gave him. So he grabs it, he tunes it up, and he starts playing. He starts playing Elvis's song "Can't Help Falling in Love with You." And my thoughts on that scene: I just wrote incredible scene. You see, you kind of see, you see a broken family feel united one at one time. Right. You know, you can tell they've been through a lot. They've been through a lot of crap, and you you can just. I think all the acting in this whole scene is good. You feel you feel Janet's hurt. You see the other kids joining in to support Janet. Really. You see the mom, she, you know, she's fighting tears the whole time. Ed, you know, he's playing that fun fact. That's Ed's actual singing. And the best part is just Vera Farmiga in the corner with her hands on her heart, just watching, you know, how much she loves Ed and how happy she feels for this family. Brian, what are your thoughts on those scenes, buddy? Um, Man, like I said before, man, I I came into this movie cold. And I mean, for real, besides watching Conjuring 1, I didn't know anything about this movie. And like I said at the beginning of this, man, shit, there's such good foreshadowing in this movie for so many scenes that it's... And you usually will not want to go watch a a horror movie the second time because, I mean, 
you know, you get the reveal and what's what's good about going and watching that again and again and again. But dude, there's so much you can pick up, and this is what this is where the movie really takes a turn for me because, like, and especially knowing what what's about to happen next, it's <laughs> I wrote down because with the with the uh, crosses started turning upside down and stuff. I wrote down, is this a ghost? Is this a demon? can make up its mind and it's frustrating me and so like you know knowing the rules for ghosts for the most part knowing demons and you know about christ and the crosses turned upside down i was like this for real at this point in the movie i was like eh, this movie's not all that great i don't really know why they're why they're building this up so like reading that reading my notes back live real time is is pretty funny knowing what happens later and you can tell that it really sucked me in all right, go ahead, Drew. Well, I I see where Brian's coming from on this one. You know, going in straight in from the outside from last week, going into it, and then this one, the way it goes. Right. Like, you didn't know exactly which way they were going to end up going with it. So you're just like, hey, come on, pick one way or pick right. the other. Just, like, let me know which way you're going with it. But I, for one, I I liked how they did this. Right. I think. Oh no, me, I no, don't. I, I I for real, I don't want to interrupt you, but I mean, like, I loved, I love it now because I loved not being right about where I thought they were going. I thought yeah. they were going with just a ghost, and I was like, mm-hmm. well, the damn movie can't make up its mind whether it's a demon or a ghost because of the stuff that's happening. Now knowing that it's both, it's genius. It's free. It's genius writing. But like, oh, at yeah. that no, point, no, I wasn't. I, I didn't was, know that. I was just talking about as right now. That was all right. I was talking about. Just for like for where you're sitting at right now. Like I, I enjoy. I cannot stand movies at all that are predictable. I cannot stand a predictable movie. If I can go in there and be thirty minutes in, and I can figure out what's going to go at the end, I cannot stand those type of movies. Which I is agree. one of the reasons why I love this movie so much because it kind of keeps you guessing exactly. throughout each phase of the movie. Go ahead, Mike. So, uh, I mean, most of us on this show are are fans of. Cheesy slashers. I think we've made that pretty clear. We're everybody in it for the me. right. Everybody ever drew, and that's okay. We're in it for the entertainment value more so than the scare, or more so than it being grounded in realism. Like you suspend your disbelief. You're watching a cool slasher like mm-hmm. Silent Night, Deadly Night. Okay, so you're you're not really in that for the acting. You're in that for the entertainment. In this movie, this scene with Patrick Wilson, Ed, you know Ed Warren. Is acted so well. It, it is like night and day compared to some of the movies we've that we've covered on here that we've talked about on here. And I love it. I think it's great. It makes the movie grounded and real. And it's really hard to do when the backdrop is haunting and possession. I also like the decision to go with ghost and demon. I think that's great. I'm a big fan of that. And again. I said it on the Strangers episode, old music in a horror movie, even though the scene's not trying to be creepy, is creepy. <laughs> whether we whether it's intended or not, old, older music in a horror movie kind of creeps me out. So I, I love the I, I love how how that move that scene, those scenes make make this movie even more emotional than it already was. You're invested in the family. You're invested in the Warrens, but now you see it's not just a demon. It's not just a ghost. It's both. Awesome stuff, man. I love it. Go ahead, Chad. Um, pretty much, I, I, I can um, 
I can agree with that. Um, just, just not knowing exactly what's gonna happen right. when when you think you are um, was pretty pretty dope. Um, you know, especially with the scenes with the crosses and stuff like this. It, it's just like sometimes that's your typical shit that people do. Right, it's like you turn the cross upside down. Oh, something you know is about to go down now, mm-hmm. and it didn't. You know, it, it just got more intense, and, and 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 it just continued to to make you think of like what's gonna happen, like which way are they going, and like Brian said, like I just can't stand a movie that you can go into and just like, well, this is about to happen, and then you end up being fucking right. It just make it even worse. So it just Annabelle, like, <laughs> Annabelle. <laughs> <laughs> so it just make it worse. So you know, I thought that was great. And then um, you know, when the Warrens um played the guitar and you know sung the Elvis song, you know, it 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 brought joy. It was good to see that that family, you know, had some type of joy out of the whole entire situation. You know, mm-hmm. which really, you know, it really made you even more invested in into them and to feel, you know, what they were going through. So I think I think it was it was very uh very creative of how they how they did those scenes. It gave it a very uh, like peaceful vibe during that right. little part right yeah. there. It just like relaxed yep. you right. to the point where you're just like, okay, this is a good moment. And then yeah. we segue into the next part. Yeah. I still think it's a little creepy in a weird way. Like it's, pl- no, it made, it made me happy. It made me happy. It's a happy scene, but I'm still like, I know it's a calm before a storm. Maybe that's why. Like well, because it makes right. you let your guard down. It lets right. you your guard I, right. down. I agree. Like, oh, this is a great moment. Da, 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 da. Right. And then and you're like, here comes you the shit. Right. Right. The next scene, it just shows Janet. She's with Ed. Ed is doing some, like, repairs around the house and just help his family out. He's working on, like, the pipes underneath the sink. And Janet asks Ed, why do you help us? Then Ed starts telling her his experience as a kid. You know, he says, I, I had something, you know, I had something grab my arm underneath my bed. And he ran to his dad. And his dad took him in there and says, we don't run from this. And then it, it, it's, it's kind of another one of those heartwarming little scenes where, you know, Ed says, what what do you think I, or what happened, what do you think happened whenever I met someone who believed me? And Janet just says, you married her. And then Ed's like, oh, you've heard this story, huh? So you just got to get a little smile, you know, another little heartwarming scene. Then this is. I'm going to touch on something Mike's brought up. This movie really didn't scare me, but it's got a lot of really good, effective jump scares in this movie. Yes, it does. And this one scared me not only the first time I saw this movie with Drew, but my mom and uh, took my niece to go see a movie that I didn't even want to go see. So I went and saw The Conjuring 2 again by myself, and I already saw the movie, and this damn scene still scared me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they go downstairs to work on this washing machine, and Ed's like, oh, my goodness, because the whole basement is flooded. Texas Chainsaw Massacre Basement. Right. Yeah, but this is actually Oh, justified. I said that too. I said <laughs> the same thing. This is actually justified, though. He finds where, you know, the basement, where the leak's coming from, so he walks over there to check it out, and Peggy's holding like his flashlight so Ed can see it a little bit better. Then all of a sudden, Peggy, like, walks closer to, like, the steps to get down there, and she sees, like, something stand up in the corner, and something's walking to her, walking towards Ed. And Peggy says... Ed, there's someone behind you. Ed turns around, there's nobody there. Then, like, you hear, like, this, this bubbling noise, and then Peggy looks down, and there's Bill Wilkins' face, and it grabs her arm, pulls her underneath the water, and then Ed runs towards Peggy, and Peggy jumps up. She's like, you see, like, the, the, the Bill Wilkins spirit bit her on the forearm. 
And then Ed reaches down into the water and he grabs something. You see, he pulls up these dentures and it matches exactly to it. And like I said, that I don't know why, but that scene scared me twice. I guess it's just such a really, really good jump scare because I really oh, didn't. I didn't see the Bill Wilkins coming towards Peggy. I guess. Now the next scene just shows all the kids. Uh, Mike, don't please don't leave the show right now. But um, the kids—they're all hanging Christmas decorations, which yeah, makes I'm this a Christmas up. movie. I'm hanging up. I love Christmas. Don't, I love I Christmas. Said that don't too. I love Christmas. Don't do this to me, damn it. Then, then it just shows—it it zooms to Janet's face, and you see her. She kind of takes pause, and she's got an uneasy feeling to herself. And she hears like you know, like those the blade noises you hear like from every show movie. You hear blade noises. And she says she sees something in the kitchen. Johnny, the other son, walks into the kitchen saying, we're in this together. Then all of a sudden, you hear, like, as Johnny walks in, you see all these knives slammed into the table. Then it just shows Janet transport into the kitchen, and she's possessed. The door slams, and it shows the table getting slammed into the wall, and the, the kitchen is trashed. The paranormal guy, you know, he, he's got, like, you know, the, all those machines looking, listening, looking. And he finally finds Janet. She's locked into this I don't know what is it like. The, she's locked in this closet behind all these machines or whatever. And Janet, in the possessed voice, gives the second half of that cryptic message that she gave earlier. And then Anita walks in the house and she pulls in Lorraine to the side and says, all right, I've got the proof. She's faking it. So they all go outside and they start watching it. And it just shows, this video shows Janet trashing the kitchen herself. She's throwing the table. She's bending the spoons. She's bending all the other, you know, kitchen Tupperware and all that. And they go inside and tell the mom. And you see, Jan and I feel so bad for Janet. You see her, she's crying on the couch. And the mom is pissed. And she's like, everyone, get the hell out of my house. And Ed Ed tells them, Ed tells Maurice, there's no way the church will, will help with that video. Mm -hmm. And this is a scene that I really like with Maurice. He says, sometimes he repeats something that Ed and Lorraine tells them earlier. He says, sometimes you have to take a leap of faith and believe when no one else will. Drew, what are your thoughts on those scenes, man? Uh, so this is the one and only thing I said. And I'll, I'll only touch on the one scene with them in the basement part with the water. They, the scene where it goes where like there's something behind you gets you so amped up for something about to happen to him as an Ed. And then, bam, it happens to the mom instead when she gets bit. Like yep. you, you were anticipating something to happen to him yep. and you're like so focused on you're like, oh, boom, boom, boom. And then it's like, oh, wait, no, we're going to actually do it to the mom instead. It throws you off and it surprised me. And I absolutely loved how they did that. Yeah, I agree. Go ahead, Mike. So I, I agree with Drew. I love that. I love both of these scenes. What I'll say... Man, I feel like I'm nitpicking, but hell, I said in 2020 I was going to nitpick and not be so nice. I'm going to actually critique something. <laughs> so it, the movie's running a little long for me at this point. Mm -hmm. A little bit. A little bit. Not, not, it's not tedious. It's not boring. I'm like, okay. Because the first movie, while long, wasn't this long. And so I'm kind of like, it's running a little long. Let's hurry up. But I do like both of these scenes. I don't, I didn't have a whole lot of notes about them just because I'm kind of at this point waiting for the big, I'm waiting for something big to happen. 
And so I'm just kind of ready for, for that. So I don't have a lot written down about these two scenes. But I think they're both pretty good as just like transition scenes anyways. Go ahead, Rashad. Um, I'm just touching on, uh, on, the, on the basement scene. Um, what I did like was how they really connected Janet and her mother again with the bike. Yeah. So it happened, it happened to Janet and it happened to her mother. And that, to me, that's just like, it, it brought more significance of what was really going on. It made two characters really like connect in a way of, yep. you know, of this, of this presence and what all this stuff going on. But what I didn't like, I didn't like that, that he, he pulled fucking dentures up out of the water. So, Cause <laughs> for me, it's just like, okay, so where is that? You know where it comes from. He bit you, and his teeth fell out, and you know went on. So I didn't really like that that they pulled the, the teeth out of the water. I felt like that kind of should have stayed out of it because it, it made me question. Like, okay, he lost his fucking teeth in the water and kept it pushing. So you know that was my only only um, notes that I had on that scene. So hey, real quick, I agree with Rashad. I meant to say that it's a. This is my only other scene in the movie that's a little hokey. Um, but, you know, nitpick here or there. But the teeth, yeah, that didn't really do anything for me. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Yeah, so I got it written down that, I mean, my favorite part of both of these scenes was the foreshadowing with the basement where it's just for a split second. You know, when you catch him looking up and you can see through the basement, he goes, okay, well, you can tell, all right, well, that's the kitchen. Obviously, that comes into play later when he's trying to bust through you know, the basement and get to where he needs to be. But to me, like that was my favorite part. And, and, you know, at this point I'm actually like, you know, I told you, I was just like, man, this movie, you know, it's not, I don't know what's going on with it. It's not that great. And then when they kind of almost imply that it's fake, I'm thinking, man, dude, does this movie have the balls to like, Hey, this whole thing's a hoax. And I'm just like, man, that's, I was like, even that, I was like, damn, that's awesome. Okay. I'm good with that. I didn't know it was going that way. You know, I'm fine with that. Obviously, the the uh, the demon turn is even better, yep. but you know, and and that comes pretty quickly after this. But even at this point, I'm sucked in, and I'm like, all right, well, all right, this movie's got me back. This movie's this movie is has has now paid off everything that it's put in for the first hour and a half. Yep. The next scene that shows Ed and Lorraine they're leaving the house, and they both just say something does not feel right about this. Then it cuts back to Janet, and she's still got tears in her eyes, and she tells. The, her siblings, listen, the spirit said that it would kill all of you if I didn't make them leave. So she, she had to fake everything that just happened to save her family. At, as Ed and Lorraine are getting, I think it's, what is it, a bus, I guess? They're getting on this bus, and Ed, he's putting the, the uh, luggage up, and the two tapes of the recordings that they have, they fall, and it shows the tapes crossing. And this is another one of my favorite scenes. He, he yeah. kind of just has an epiphany. Yeah. And yeah, Ed's like, Ed's like, if if what I think, if I if what I think is what's really happening, we've got it figured out. So he plays the first tape of the distorted message. Then he plays the second one, and he rewinds. And he's like, we're gonna play them at the same time. He plays them at the same time, and I wrote down what the message says. It says, help me. It won't let me go. Help me. It won't let me go. Then it shows like a force hit Lorraine and it knocks her back into her chair. She sees Bill sitting in the chair and Bill kind of gives this riddle uh, to Lorraine. But before that, he says, I'm only here at this house just to see my family. And 
Bill gives his riddle like, you know, I, I didn't ask for it. It was given to me at birth. And then as Lorraine is questioning him, you see you see the, the nun right behind him, and it does that voice, like that growl. And you see, like, the, the teeth that the nun has. And then, then Lorraine wakes up, and she's got blood coming out of her nose. And she says, we have to go back. The, the, the nun spirit has been blocking me from being able to feel what's really happening. He's been using the crooked man and the spirit of Bill Wilkins is just to, to cover up everything that's been going on. And on a lighter note, before I go into the next scene, I actually watched that scene on YouTube, and I saw a funny comment. It said, uh, Lorraine and Eleven from Stranger Things both believe whenever. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it said, it said Lorraine. Clearly the same the person. Up, it said Lorraine came from the upside down after that happened. <laughs> Clearly the same person, obviously. Now it cuts back to the house and it shows Margaret, the, the oldest daughter, being levitated. And the mother, you know, it shows it shows Peggy in the kitchen you know, trying to sweep up all the debris from what just happened. And she's crying, but she goes into the living room when she hears a noise and she sees Margaret levitate. She's thrown against the wall. And Lorraine tells Ed and that the neighbor who drove them, like there's this riddle that Bill told her. And knowing the, the demon's name gives them power. And then Janet, you know, she locks the family out of the house as they try and run off. So Ed, or Ed tries to break into this window, but as soon as he gets through, the Janet uses her powers and throws the couch at him, hits him right in the head, which maybe should knock him out. I don't know. Let's let's uh, let's disregard that. Let's di- let's let's disregard our beliefs right there. So Ed <laughs> Ed goes downstairs where that washing machine is, and he gets inside, but then the door slams in Lorraine's face. And here's another really, really good scene of just, you know, the, the strength of their relationship. She, Lorraine is telling Ed, don't go, don't go, please. I can't lose you. I'm so scared. This is the most scared I've ever been. And Ed says, "This is I'm so terrified too, but I've got to go help her. Ed uses this pipe and he breaks through the floor, like Brian mentioned. He gets into the kitchen, but all of a sudden, like, the spirit uses, like, this pipe and it, it puts steam right into his eyes where he can't see. And as he's walking, you know, you just see this TV come on and it distracts him. And you see, like, the crooked man follow him all through the house. And he's stumbling. And then he just grabs his cru- the crucifix that's around his neck and he just starts walking up the stairs. And before we get into the last thing, I'm just going to get you guys' thoughts on that real quick. Go ahead, Mike. So, I, uh, I, again, I'm kind of waiting. Again, I love these scenes. I'm not saying that I don't. I love the use of the nun. Nico mentioned it. I love Ed's epiphany where he's like, oh, shit, this is what's happening. I love that, man. It's really good. Uh, I love the use of the nun here. Again, I hate the movie The Nun, but I love the nun in this movie. <laughs> I can agree if, with that. Right, right. If I can <laughs> if, if I can clear that up. She's great. He, or the, the use of the character is great here. Uh, and so, again, I'm just kind of waiting for the final scene. Because I have a lot of thoughts on it, but these two scenes are really good, really well done. And I like that they, for a minute, you kind of think that the Warrens are leaving. Like, you don't quite, you, I mean, yeah, I'm not buying it because it's clearly not the end of the movie. But for a minute, I'm like, man, I wonder what's going to happen now. The Warrens are leaving, and then they end up having to go back. And so (laughs) I thought it was actually really damn funny that you mentioned the nosebleed. Because I, on a rewatch, I'm like... Uh, where have I seen this? I just think Stranger Things kind of pulls from everything, every horror movie they've ever seen, and decided to put it in a movie. So that's just me. But anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, go ahead, Brian. 
What? What? <laughs> what, Mike? You just said that we they pulled it from Stranger Things. No, I just think it's come no, out, bro. No, I said Stranger Things pulls from every. Oh, oh, okay, okay, okay. Sorry, go ahead, Brian. <laughs> oh man, uh, I I lo- this movie to me went up 15 billion points after this turn because I was like, God, yes. man, that. I yes. love I love this movie because of this point because of this turn the writing in this movie went from man this is just another sequel to holy shit like this is one of the right. best horror movies I've ever seen like that is it went it just because wow. at this one exact point it went to that point and I I mean I really I really like I said love this movie because of this point because of this writing point in the scene Go ahead, Rashad um, yeah, just uh, the whole scene of, of pretty much um, the what was her name? Anita. She was re- she was waiting to be right. I felt like like right. she was just being like a fucking bitch. Like, come uh, here. She like, she's the faking it. Like, movie. yeah, right. Yeah. So, you know, and, and that goes back to the scene where uh, Ed and uh, Janet was talking and they did a great job of blurring her out. You, you know, you couldn't you couldn't really see anything going on in and that's you know anita stated that well she could have spit the water out and all that but you know it tied back into it where you couldn't really prove it you know we knew but it, but you know that that's just my whole point with that but she was waiting to be right and 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 just the whole scene of them having to leave you could tell like you know they really kind of, it was kind of like their hands was being tied because you couldn't really prove it you, you know you saw janet you know throwing stuff on her own and you know all of that sorts but they really really wanted to do something and just the whole the whole train bus scene would it really intensified it back up again because it's yes. just like now you it's another turning point and something is about to happen and when they when he put those tapes together and, and it you know it, it it had the message from bill wilkins so it's like really make you think like okay if he needs help like what's really what's really mm-hmm. going on here? Like mm-hmm. you know exactly what is behind the, the scene of all this. So it really makes you think, and 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 it helps. Um, it helps the Warren Warrens about what they really feel about what could be possibly going on without having the actual feel of it. So it just for me this entire scene it just it it it, it built up the intensity. Even though I was you know I can agree with Mike, I was ready to see something happen. But that kind of like brought it back up a notch to know that okay, it's really about to go down now. Go ahead, Drew. I must say right here, like there was probably at least twenty minutes throughout the whole movie they could have cut out and yeah. played more upon this part here, because I think this scene over the next four to what eight minutes that they played on the scenes here should have been expanded more. Once they kind of figured out, hey, look, once we got further away from the house, like I wasn't blinded from seeing what was really going on, who the real bad guy, I guess you could say, right, was of this. It wasn't it wasn't Bill Wilkins. It wasn't it wasn't the girl being possessed by Bill or him dying there. It was this nun like using Bill Wilkins and this girl to get what he well, I guess he whatever the spirit wanted. And once right. they got far enough away, like it was revealed to her. And I love this whole the whole way it goes because then it's and the whole time Ed and Lorraine are like, you know, 
we believe them, but if this video evidence gets out, nobody will believe us. And then that kind of puts us in a, you know, a precarious spot. So like, I feel like they could probably shaved out a little bit, like right. five or 10 minutes in the middle of this movie and probably would have made these scenes better, in my opinion. And that's all. That's it. Go ahead, Brian. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I was I was, <laughs> I was, was feeling smart, man. I was feeling like you know, <laughs> I, I was already getting my shit together. Like, man, I'm about to blow this movie up for not knowing the goddamn difference between a ghost and a demon. You know, I'm just, I, I, was, I was ready. And, man, <laughs> I love, I love the fact. I can't state it enough. I love the fact that I was wrong. All right, fellas, these are the last two scenes. Let's do it. And I'm gonna, and I, like I said, I told Mike, Brian, and Drew in our group text. I had one nitpick, and this is it. I really don't like the scene or like the part where Lorraine is like just yelling out, "You told me your name. What is it? What is it?" And she has, you know, the epiphany of when she's writing. You know, when she first encounters Valak after Judy sees her in the hallway, and she she remembers she wrote the name down in the Bible. Bad, so she goes and grabs it. her Bible. She goes and grabs her Bible, and it shows Ed going upstairs. And now she yells out, your name is Valix. I know your name. And then it shows lightning hitting this tree. And when she sees it, she sees that the tree becomes that giant spear that goes through Ed's chest. Ed hears the uh, crooked man music box in the tent. So he sticks his head in, and you got to remember, he had that steam hit him in the face, so he can't see real good. And as the song plays on, you see the crooked man jump scare at him, and he kind of falls back. And the crooked man comes up, and he like he's thrown into the wall, and he's thrown into another room, and he slams the door, and then Ed finds Janet. And I noted that Janet looks like super, super possessed right now. Like, yeah, like you know, like you know, she's about to do something big. Ed finds Janet. She's about she she like uses like her power to like break the window in front of her, and she goes to step out and jump onto that that tree that's become this giant spear now. And Ed runs towards her and catches her, and he uses his hand to grab a hold of the, that curtain. And Lorraine finally makes it into the house, and she gets into the room. She sees Ed holding on to Janet and about to fall out. And she and she goes to grab him, but then you see the nun, Valak, take a step forward, and you see Valak throw her against the wall. And he and it's really scary, like, the way that Valak's face looks. And he's got, like, these giant, like, these sharp teeth. And, like, it's, like, growling at her. But Lorraine uses her authority and says, I have power over you because I know your name. You're the, I can't remember exactly the thing she says, the Marquis of Snakes, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. And you see Violet, you know, she's, the, the, the nun starts screaming, and you see it, like, fading. And then as soon as it fades away, um, Lorraine runs and grabs Ed and saves them. And then I, th this is the last of the scene. Uh, Janet, she's coughing on the floor, but she, you can tell she's not possessed anymore. Then it's like the morning, and it's really a sweet scene because they're, they're all at the ambulance. And Janet, she says, thank you for coming back. And then Ed takes the crucifix off. He takes his crucifix necklace and gives it to Janet. And Janet makes the remark, you know, you both had one person that changed your life. Well, I have two. And it was a really, you know, sweet moment. Then it shows Ed, he puts the uh, Crooked Man music box in the haunted room. And then he hears uh, he hears a, a song playing in the other room. And it's the Elvis song, Can't Help Falling in Love with You. Ed walks into the room, and him and uh, Lorraine, they start dancing together. And it's a really sweet way to end the movie. Brian, you want to give your final thoughts? 
And before, uh, hold on, say before it finally cuts, it just shows the film ends with uh, the actual recording of Janet. Go ahead, Brian. Uh, yeah, I was getting really pissed at the dude uh, chopping the damn door off in the basement because he was terrible. Like I was just like, oh my god. At at one I was at one point I was like, god damn, just go back up to the front door and start chopping at it because you know, at this point everybody's up front. I just I wrote that down so I thought I'd share it, but. I really did also like the uh, the close-ups of the glass cutting Janet's face whenever the glass busted. I yes. thought that was a really good visual and really good scene and, and a detail that a lot of movies miss when something like that happens. Um, the Lorraine, uh, the Lorraine thing gave me chill bumps. Um, I'll be honest, whenever she was you know kind of giving her old speech, I don't know that that thing it gave me chill bumps. But I I did I wrote down I had to suspend my belief a little bit because Lorraine had super strength as she uh, went up and pulled Ed back to back up through the window. I was with like, one hand, with, with one, one hand. hand. Yeah. yeah, she. Uh, that's the one thing. But I, I love Anderson up in there. Right. <laughs> I loved loved the way this movie ended with the actual. Rec- recordings and the you know having the uh pictures of the movie the scene shots you know versus the real pictures but i really i really uh, can't say enough i really enjoyed that go ahead mike okay i have some quick bullet points so again crooked man looked like ass kind of <laughs> yeah. hurt me a little bit but i'll allow it because the rest of the scene is done really well shot really well i think that the actress who played janet is great here uh, throughout this whole thing. I love the way the Bible ties back in. When you watch it for the first time, it's not something I thought of. Me either. I didn't. So she's just stabbing her Bible, it. stabbing her Bible. Yeah, so that's what I, I thought was happening. Yeah. So I'm not thinking anything of that. And when they tie that back in, man, mwah, chef's kiss. I love that. <laughs> I thought it was great. Um, So I really like Vera in this scene. I think she's awesome. I love, and I know me, I think Nico has praised it as well. I love the look of Valak. I think it's scary as shit. And normally I'm not for, like, this is not my wheelhouse, this kind of horror. I know, screw that. Valak is really good here. That's, it's really well done. Um, (laughs) You mentioned the chopping at the door. (laughs) I kept thinking of Shawshank, Andy, (laughs) trying to get out of the, the, (laughs) the prison wall. That's yeah, what I kept thinking yeah. of. Uh, some people said it would take him sixty something years to get to that wall, <laughs> and he did it in however many days. Or, you know, so uh, again, real quick, I, I have a small nitpick. I know, I know. Please don't hate me, but the ending where she kind of wins because she knows the demon's name—it's a little flat for me, only because it reminds me a lot of A Nightmare on Elm Street. Where all Nancy has to do is turn her back and everything's cool now. Like, Freddy goes away. That's kind of how I felt about this. And so I know there's some religious ties there. But I'm just giving my thoughts about the ending of that. I thought, man, that's kind of flat. But still, it's still really well done. Like, I'm, it's a small nitpick. Love the ending. Love how sweet it all ties up in a bow. I love how Janet's okay. Everybody makes out okay. You're rooting for this family. So there's no significant death, which I think in this... Normally I'm like ah that kind of sucks, but in this movie I think it's really good. So and I love the very 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 end with the real Janet recording because man mm, that's something that's something else. Go ahead, Drew. We'll we'll let our guest go last. I'll just say this like uh, I'm gonna give like my total thoughts without the ranking right here. 
Uh, I love these last scenes. Uh, I am glad that I watched this because like, like, when it came out, I was expecting, you know, like a normal like sequel to a, a horror movie and with uh, more scares, but a really dumb story plot line. And it didn't do that. I was like, you know, it delivered a real creepy story, you know, a great character development between it. Uh, and it also, like, it portrayed, like, a real romantic uh, relationship between Ed and Lorraine the whole way through. So, tension throughout the whole the whole movie, uh, major anxiety the whole way through, and then on top of it with the children actors, just does next level with it. They were creepy, and the acting by them was insane. And uh, also, there's a fucking ghost nun. An ugly bitch just standing there looking at you is stuff of nightmares. <laughs> Good night, Rashad. Give us your final thoughts on those last scenes. Um uh my thought final thoughts was um it definitely it definitely uh it ended it ended well. Um I would say I expected more of a a battle between Thank you. you know, the demon and, and mm-hmm. you know uh the wars, you know, it was fairly a, a simple fight you know one punch to the wall and i say your name and you disappear in the wall so but it was it was it was also it, it was it was well created at the same time you know because you got so many good moments throughout the film where i can understand why you know you wouldn't put too too much at the end but you know other than that it, it was put together very well and you know just to see you know how they pretty much tying all of this stuff into the different stories they have to tell. So you know now the Warrens are taking the crooked, you know, crooked man back to their their basement with the, all the other possessions, the doll, the Annabelle doll, and all that stuff. So it was great how they just tied everything up uh, at the end, and it was great um, just to see uh, Ed provide that that everlasting comfort to Janet once again by giving him, you know. The, the cross at the end, giving her the cross at the right. end. Right. Yeah, I really like that too. Um, does anybody have any final final thoughts, or y'all want to jump into fun facts? Go ahead. Because I'm going to give my brief. I'm going to give my feelings and my rating. Okay. I don't have any fun facts, so don't either. I have a I mean, couple. I go have ahead, couple. Mike, and I'll go so, after you. So I, I don't think there's anything like mind blowing that I have here, but. Priest was brought to bless the set from day one because Good. they experienced weird shit Good. in the la- the making of the last <laughs> I know the making of the last movie. A bunch of people experienced weird shit, including Patrick Wilson after the, he did. got done filming the movie. I bet and they so, fucking did. Well, yeah. So that's so that's something that happened. Uh <laughs> members of the real family were on set. Um the actress that played the mom refused to meet them because she thought it would affect her performance. And I think that you know, so that's kind of cool. Biggest open. So I love to talk money for some reason. I guess because maybe I have I have very little. Excuse me. Uh, biggest <laughs> opening, biggest opening weekend for horror movie since the Conjuring. The first, since the yeah. first Conjuring. Mm-hmm. So it beat it, it beat the opening weekend for the very first one. I I didn't write down the total amount. Three hundred million dollars. Okay, three hundred million dollars. That's a lot of damn money for a horror movie, especially rated R. Um. The boy in the very, very beginning is based on a real picture from the Amityville house. Um, it's not the picture, but it's based on very loosely. So 
That's pretty cool. Valak is seen five times. I talked about that. Talked about the original design of Alec. Something they left out from the original story of the, of this family was that the kids could no longer play with their toys because they were hot. They were hot to touch. And so it would almost like burn their hands when they tried to play with their toys. They left that out for some reason. And that the original screening, I forget what country, I think India, 65-year-old man with chest pains was rushed yep. to the hospital, announced yep. dead on site. And then disappeared. But, but then the vehicle never made it to the next hospital. Never, the man was never seen again. The vehicle was never seen again. So that's pretty damn creepy right there, man. That's all I have. Oh, wow. Was his name uh, Jason Voorhees? <laughs> Who? <laughs> some pussy? He's not scary. Said, so was it Jason Voorhees? Because yeah, well, I think that's he, happened. Or Michael Myers? I think that's happened a few times. I only have a few fun facts. I wrote down the budget, but I won't go over that again. I wrote one was off. James Wan was offered a life altering amount of money in order to direct the fate of the furious in 2017. However, he turned that opportunity down to direct the conjuring Two instead. And I quote, I feel rejuvenated to tell us a horror story. One more time. He wrote on Instagram. On, uh, like Mike said, first day of shooting, a priest was brought in. It had the biggest opening weekend since conjuring 2013. And I, Mike, don't get mad, but in my fifth, this isn't a fun fact, but, I wrote, this is the greatest horror Christmas movie of all time. <laughs> I'll allow it being a horror Christmas movie. How about that? That's fair. I'll, I'll budge. You know, I never noticed the Christmas aspect until the day. I was like, oh my God, there is Christmas. It's Christmas time during that. It's yeah. not as good as the original Black Christmas, but whatever. Oh, Black Christmas. Let's so. jump into ratings, guys. Um, Rashad, do you want to go first or do you want to go last? Since you're the guest, we'll let you pick. Oh, I'll take it last. All right, well, I'll, I'll just go first then. Uh-oh. <laughs> all right, so, I, I wrote down my con. I didn't right, I, I didn't write it down, but Crooked Man, he looked kind of goofy as CGI. The only con that I wrote down was um, this, the part where Veer is, like, screaming out, I know your name and all that. I just thought, I just wasn't feeling just to zoom in on her face yelling, I know your name. But after that, I wrote, however, I love this movie. It has everything to me. Me and my best friend Drew went and saw it the day. I, I actually wrote down the wrong thing. Uh, I wrote we went and saw it after 2016 Clemson, but this movie came out in June, so that is not true. We went and saw uh, the Ouija after that. But me and Drew, we went we went and saw um, we went and saw Conjuring Two together when he was visiting us in Tallahassee. Mm-hmm. I remember I remember walking out of that movie theater, and I immediately posted on Facebook, "That was the best horror movie I've ever watched." Yep. The cinematography is exceptional. The acting from yes, the Ed is. and Lorraine to the family, all incredible. The atmosphere and the houses are amazing. I, th- I thought they had great effective jump scares. The movie's not scary, but there's so many great tense scenes and great jump scares. It's two hours long, but it doesn't even bother me. I wish it was a little bit longer, honestly, in some parts. Ed and Lorraine are even better in this movie than the first one. You, I, I wrote, you can't dislike them, honestly. Mm-hmm. I love the scene where Ed is singing the Elvis song to the family. So, I gave, like I told y'all, I like this movie better than The Strangers, and I gave Strangers 10 out of 10, so I'm giving this 10 out of 10. I, I, can, watch this any, I can watch this any day of the week and love it every single time. Because Brian brought up a good point. It's not really a bona fide horror movie, but it's like, it's it's... 
it's like a, a relationship movie of this couple. And you really, I honestly love Ed and Lorraine Warren as, you know, Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga. I truly, I truly love their relationship and how they, they treat this family. I, I, I like this family more than the first family. Yes, and I, I agree. And I, and I have nothing against the first family. <laughs> but I, I truly just love this movie. I, maybe it's just because I saw it with one of my best friends when it came out. Uh, who wants to go next? I'll go. Uh, I'll say this. I look. I was looking forward to this before. This is like me and Nico like met, and then like we became best friends after it. And uh, we kind of found out that we both loved horror movies, and we was like, we saw this movie one was coming out, and was like, oh, dude, we just gotta go see it. And we ended up going seeing it, and we were watching like the you know like the really comfortable leather seats, and like so you're like you're like really relaxed. So when them jump scares hit, you know, you was like, oh, shit. <laughs> it's a great experience. Great experience. Um, love this. I love this franchise. I love all the movies they've done. This was probably my favorite one of them. Uh, it's 8.5 for me across the board. I wish they would probably maybe shrunk the movie probably by like 20 minutes. And I think it would increase the uh, intensity throughout the whole way. Outside of that, you, you can't. You cannot understate the importance of how well they did of uh, casting for Ed and Lorraine in these in this yep. series. Yep. Mike, Brian, which one of y'all want to go next? I'll go because mine's pretty quick for once. I know, for real this time. Real quick, um, Mike. Love the movie. Thought it was great. I enjoy it more than the first one, only because of the characters of Ed and Lorraine. I think that they make they make this movie. And again, I love the family. You're rooting for the family. So there's a lot of good there. And normally when I go to see a horror movie, nine times out of ten, I'm kind of a sick bastard. I end up rooting for the for the villain. <laughs> it's just kind of the way it ends up. Not in this movie. Uh, you root for the good to overcome evil. And so I think that's, that's why this movie is almost timeless. I don't think this movie – look, it, it, the, the runtime's a little long, not going to lie. A little long. It could be shorter, but I really enjoy it. It doesn't feel that long to me. So uh, I said the original one was an 8. I'm going to give this one an 8.5 just because I did like it more, but only about by a smidge. It's not scary. It's not as scary as the first one, but I do like it more. Go ahead, Brian. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. I don't think that this is scary at all, but I love the movie. I love the twist. I've, I've said over and over i will give james wan all the props even though the writers probably deserve most of the props i'll give it to james wan because i've got you know i was like man i think i like him as a director mm -hmm. as my favorite probably the best horror movie director right there with Wes craven like i think that they're right yep. neck and neck yep. and um you know the cinematography i think you know would push james wan over the edge if he doesn't have the writing portion of it like Wes Craven does so I, I you know I'm not sure about that but I did have that much written down um 9.5 is what I give this movie uh, I, I, I love I, I love it I think you know like I said it was I thought I, I thought I had me I thought I had it nailed down and you know it just it laughed in my face and I I can't I can't uh stress enough how much I love the fact that it did that y'all make me feel like a hater Tired wow Brian is that your highest rating so far I don't I don't know. Wait, I, think, wait, no, I don't think so. I don't think Scream, so. I Scream, take, Scream and Texas Chainsaw Massacre got 9.5 as well. Yeah, okay, it's a tie. Okay, uh, so I know okay, Scream got a 9.5. Okay. 
All right, RG80, the underrated wide receiver. <laughs> Let's hear that rating, brother. Uh, you know, I, I definitely thought it was uh, a great movie over, overall. Um, very well put together. Um, it was uh, definitely uh, something that you couldn't, you know, just figure out what was going on. And that was that's a big thing for me. I want to go in and I, I wanted to draw me in and I wanted to make me think, you know, and and I think the actors were, were amazing. Um, I think everyone really played their part very, very well. Um, some of the small things um, I, I could have uh, dealt without. And I, I do think um, Valak was she was scary, The Overall movie wasn't scary. It was uh, right, but right. she were she she was you know her character and uh, was very uh, scary to me. Um, just the look of it. But you know, I, overall, you know, I can't I can't say nothing bad about it. Um, actually, whenever it comes on TV, you know, I find myself you know rewinding, starting over, and watching it. You know, every time it comes on, you know, I, I, it's, it's a, one of those horrors that. I don't get tired of watching. Um, and, you know, on that note, oh. for me, it was, it's a 10. If I can keep watching something over and over and not getting tired of it, it's a great movie. My yeah. man, let's go. I knew you'd be a great first guest. Let's go. So, so hold on a second, hold on a second, Nico. Before, before we go any further, I got to ask Rashad one question. What's going oh, on? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Uh, scream. <laughs> horror. Oh, my God. Scream. Really? Yeah. Horror nah, or not? No. My God! My no. God! Yes. No. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. No. Even go. Yeah. Even face. great foot. Even great football players can be wrong. <laughs> even great football players can be wrong, Drew. Oh man! I, the second you said I got the second you said I got a question, I knew where you was going. That's <laughs> all good. Everybody knew it, where you was going. Anywho, love this movie. Um, I honestly don't watch it all the time, but every time I do, I always think, damn, that was great. <laughs> every single time. <laughs> well, y'all want to jump into the question that Trey Rowland, friend of the show and host of the yeah, broadcast, gave it. us? Oh, shit, that's right. All right, <laughs> all right. Go ahead, drop the question first, and then I everybody will. can answer. So our good friend Trey at the broadcast asked us, fuck, marry, kill, between Patrick Wilson, a.k.a. Ed Warren, the Annabelle doll or the nun? Which one are we picking? Brian, you said you wanted to go first. So let us know what you want to do first. All right. All right. Um, I'm going to fuck the nun because it's a chick and uh, I'm I'm all about that. So um, I'm going to marry Patrick Wilson because, goddamn, I love that guy. I love that guy in this movie. Yeah, uh, he's he's sensual and he will he will care about my feelings. So I'm, <laughs> I'm marrying Patrick Wilson and I'm going to uh, kill the uh, Annabelle doll because I mean you can't really do anything else to that thing. It's man, yeah, de yeah, definitely. Go ahead. <laughs> you want to go next? <laughs> I'm right there with Brian and Trey. <laughs> fuck you for asking this question. Yeah, fuck <laughs> you, buddy. But I'm right there with Brian on it. Go ahead, Mike. Mike, I actually go ahead. agree a hundred percent. Yeah, it's Mary Patrick Wilson one because he's rich, and, and you don't have to get, sleep with him. And we can get good benefits. I'm fucking the nun because she's a female, and I'm killing a doll because that's an evil little shit. Yep, so that's where I'm at with that. I'll go next, Rashad. You can go last. All right, all right. <laughs> you're gonna make my man go last. <laughs> uh, killing Annabelle, 
Mary and Patrick, we ain't sleeping together, but he can sing me Elvis if he wants to. And um, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll fuck the nun, but that nun's not giving me head. I've seen his teeth. Go ahead, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. Uh, I would just have to say I'm, I'm in agreement, man. It's, it's, it's nothing you can do with a doll. So uh, kill. Uh, Mary, Patrick, you know, just for the money's sake. You know, we put two and two it. together, you know, <laughs> right, right. and, you know, fuck the nine. Just bend her over and, and, and not look at her face. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Trey, for the question. <laughs> right. Uh, Rashad, uh, appreciate you being Ooh. on the show, my man. Yes, um, anytime you, you want to be on, anytime you want to review a movie, just message me. We'll always make time for you because uh, okay. you brought us a national championship. You should have been the MVP. Don't Thank care you. what no one says on that. Yep. Absolutely. You are the most clutch player and damn near top five most clutch player in football, Florida State football history. It was a so horse collar. It was definitely a horse collar. Yeah, uh, absolutely. But uh, you, like, you, I know it's probably weird for us just to gush all over you, but you brought so much joy to all four of us yes. as football fans. Yes, you have. You won us so many games, and then people want to disrespect you by not saying you're not the second best wide receiver, only behind Peter Wart. I'll uh, give Peter Wart the credit, yeah, but you're you're yeah, obviously you're yeah. you're the second yes. best. Hey, I will say you're not unrated in my book because I've screamed exactly. on Twitter for you know a year at least or two years that the next four players that should get there retired should be put Peter Bowler should be you, Derek, or I mean uh, Jameis and um, Cook. Those were those should be the next four, I think. Yeah, man. Well, appreciate you guys for having me. Absolutely. Uh, definitely enjoyed it. Uh, my first time doing anything like this. Uh, definitely had a blast. And, you know, always appreciate you guys' support. Um, you know, it was definitely a fun thing. And I'll find another movie we could do together. I was so going to say, pick come one, back man. Candy yeah. man. Come yeah, back for so, Candyman, dog. Yeah. yeah. So I'll definitely uh, find a movie and I'll be in, be in contact. But, you know, like I said, appreciate you guys for having me, man. It was a blast. Hey, we Thank appreciate you. it. By the way, don't come back for Candyman. That movie sucks. Pick something else. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I appreciate you taking our shirt, too. All right, yeah, no man. problem, man. It, it, it's kind of mind-blowing to me that one of my favorite players is, like, wearing the logo that Brian drew up and made. Cool, man. I love it. love it. But anyway, guys, that's The Conjuring too. We really appreciate Rashad being our first guest, really, on a non-ratings uh, podcast episode. Uh, we really appreciate you being on the show with us. We're really, truly grateful, and we're looking to do big things in 2020. Y'all have a good night, everybody. All right, have a good year. night, fellas. Thank you. Happy New See year. you, guys. And I uh, just want to remind everybody to uh, don't go out there. Wise men say only fools run